Today we're going to talk about the title of this message is called Willful. We've been in this three-part series, or this, this three-part, this multi-part series called Filled, and we've talked about being joy-filled last week. This week, we want to talk about being full of the will of God. We want to be full. Um, we are created to have lives of meaning and purpose, you guys. Full lives. And in order for us to have the life that God intends for us, we have got to be filled. We must be filled with the knowledge of his will for us. Does that make sense? We have to know what he wants us to do. Uh, my kickoff scripture so far, uh, Colossians 1.9 should be in your notes. So we have not stopped praying for you since we heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now here's the thing. God's will. What does that mean? Does anybody have a quick? No, don't, don't. It's a huge thing, isn't it? Is it, is it not like it's one of those things that I need to know God's will, and it's just this enormous thing. I'm a musician, and so I tend to think of things in musical terms. I don't know about you guys. If you're a musician, maybe you have this thing going on too. I have a soundtrack for my life. The things that I think about have this corresponding music, okay? And when I hear things like the will of God, I got to do this. The will of God. This is what I hear in my head. Can you know it? Is it even knowable? Coming soon to a theater near you, the will of God. It's huge. It's huge, right? I mean, it's this daunting thing. How can I know? How can I possibly grasp what Jesus has for me out of all these possibilities? And I'll tell you what, I grew up in the church, okay? And it was huge. You know what I mean? And it was used in a way sometimes like as a, I don't know, almost as a weapon. Are you sure you're in the will of God? Are you sure you're in the will of God? Are you sure everything we did put, put us in or out of the will of God? And it just scared the heck out of me. And the problem with this is this. If we're not careful, and we look at this thing called the will of God, we will overthink it, get so nervous about it, we'll become paralyzed. And it's, it's worse. I'm telling you right now, it's worse to make no decision sometimes than to, than to make the wrong one. I mean, I can sit there and go, should I, should I, should I, should I, should I, should I, and the opportunity comes and goes. And then I didn't do anything. And I have this paralysis, okay? So that's one extreme. The one extreme is we do nothing. The other extreme is we do this. Anybody recognize this? It should be black. I don't know who decided to make magic eight balls purple, but they should be, I don't think, shot or something. They're magic eight balls. They're supposed to be black. But who's got a magic eight ball in their house? Who remembers what we do? We do this instead, right? Uh, actually, this is awesome. This is called the sarcastic ball. <laughs> so I don't know about you guys, but I consider sarcasm possibly like a spiritual gift. I work in it really well. It's one of my talents. So I say, should I, uh, I don't know, take this job? And it says, oh, please. That's good. Should I marry this girl? As if. Okay. But this is what we do sometimes. We either we're either paralyzed, right, or we flip a coin. And we go, well, I don't know. I'll just go. And there's got to be a better place, right? There's got to be an in-between someplace where we say, I can know the will of God. I can. He wants me to know it. Guys, I want this morning, I want to unpack some stuff, okay? I want to take this thing called the will of God, and I want to simplify it if we can, okay? And listen, in 20 minutes, there's no way I'm going to get through all this stuff. There's no way. You can spend a lifetime studying this, and I encourage you to do so. I'm going to give you some tools to do that on your own through the next coming weeks, okay? But I'm going to try my very best to give you a snapshot of what I think we can start looking at the will of God, the way that we can start diving into it, and we can start knowing what God has for us. The thing that we have to understand is that God wants us to know his will. He does. He's not kept it a, a mystery. He's not hidden it from us, okay? When we leave here today, I want you guys to have a different soundtrack for your life when you think about the, the will of God. Y'all ready for this? 
Show me one more. This is this is what I want you out here singing. Don't worry. Hey, it's no big deal. God will get you through it. It's fine. Don't worry. Be happy. Does that make sense? I want you guys thinking. Listen, I don't want to be light about it. I don't want to be cavalier about it. I'm not saying that the will of God is just some little flighty thing and we, hey, we get it, we don't get it, whatever. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that we can make too big a thing out of it. And we can make it such a daunting task that we think it's just unknowable, okay? So we're going to start with here. And I want to give you guys the jumping off point. You ready? In order to understand God's will for us, the first place we do, the first thing we do is we've got to look to the book. Everybody say, look to the book. What's the book? This. If you have one, awesome. If you have one, I suggest you open it. Take a look at it. God's will is revealed first and foremost in his word. You know, very, very often I went and did a, I did a pretty, pretty deep study on some of this stuff. And I looked up the word will. And I just wanted to see where does it, where does it show up in the scriptures. Where, and the, the, the word, be careful, okay, when you go look up the word will. And you do, you like your little, I've got a little um, computer Bible, right? It's called eSword. It's fantastic, okay? And if you just type in the word will, you're going to get about 10,000 results. Because he will give you all power. I will do this. Okay, so you've got you to find the word that means will, as in the purpose, the design that God has, okay? And every time I found this word, which in Greek, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, it's philema, philema, something, of the, okay? something along there. Um, every time I saw that word, very often when I saw that word, I should say, I saw it in the context of we are to do God's will. Jesus talked about it over and over and over in, in, in the Gospels. He said, you know, the people who do the will of my Father. We're supposed to do this. We're supposed to do that. There's these things that we are supposed to do. And what I like to think about is this, is that the initial jumping off point of the will of God is this sort of common will of God. We are Christians. We call ourselves Jesus followers. There are things we ought to be doing, right? There are certain things we should never have to pray about. Lord, should I cheat on my taxes? Really? Lord, should I steal this Snickers bar? Why Snickers bar? Because I love Snickers. But should, do I have to pray about those things? No. When, where the will of God is known, where we know what he says, I don't even have to, I don't even have to bother with that. I know what the word says about certain things. Does that make sense, everybody? There's certain things that are going to be common to every single one of us. In that sense, then, the will of God is as much a way of doing life as anything else. It's just a pattern. It's something that runs counter to what the popular culture would say, right? It's something that tells us that there's something different about us than there is in the world. There's something we should be doing. It's just not the way they do it. Let's look at a couple scriptures and let's back that up, okay? Romans 12, 18. It says, do all you can to live in peace with everyone. Now, you guys who are out in the world every day, like us, right? We're all out there. Is this the normal? Is this what people do? Do they go out of their way to live in peace with you? No. Matter of fact, we feed off of strife and contention. What are, we, what are all of our TV shows about? Strife and contention. I was watching uh, something about, oh, what was it, uh, Top Chef or something, okay? It's a cooking show. But if they don't fight and hate each other, it's no fun. Oh, they're cooking. That's fan- oh, that's good. Look at that. Hey, you made a souffle. Oh, that, looks, that looks tasty. Nobody would watch it. We watch it because this guy hates this guy. And this guy's talking smack about this guy. And this girl is trying to see this, guy's, this girl's boyfriend. It just goes on. It, it's the strife. It's the contention. It's all that stuff that we like, right? We watch the first little part of American Idol because people have train wrecks. And then we watch them make fun. I and mean, it's, it's entertaining to our carnal mind. We like to see it. But the Bible's telling us something different, isn't it? We're supposed to try our very, very best to live at peace with one another. There's, there's, there's a God's will for your life. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5.18. 
Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. What is God's will? God's will is that we should be thankful. Is Again, is that the norm? Do you hear this every day? People walking around, no matter what happens, they're just, man, they're just thankful. I wrecked my car. I'm so thankful. Boy, I just lost my job. I'm so thankful. As Christians, man, we're called to be thankful in all circumstances. Not because of circumstances, right? I'm not, I'm not saying you should go out today if your car doesn't start. Go, woo! I'm so glad my car didn't start. No, that, that's crazy. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. But we can be thankful that even in the midst of that, well, that doesn't change anything, does it? My God is still on the throne. He's still doing what he does. He still loves me. I still have my eternity taken care of. There's all these things, and we get a perspective on life that says, this little thing's not going to knock me down. It's not going to steal. Like we talked about last week, it's not going to steal my joy. I won't let it. I won't let it. God is not intended for us to be people who roller coaster through life, happy when things are good, sad when things are bad, grumbling and complaining when we don't get our way. He wants us to be people who are constant. And that should be something the world looks at and says, I don't know what's up with that guy, but I like it. Boy, I wish I could do that. I wish I had that. What's he got? And then we get to say, well, guess what I have? I have, I have Jesus. I have the Holy Spirit, and you can have him too. It's not a secret. It's nothing we're trying to hide. Uh, last verse, and we'll move on. Uh, John six forty, For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up the last day. It's God's will that you go to heaven. How cool is that? There are those who would tell you, eh, I'm not so sure. God picked some, didn't pick others. It's like this life's lottery thing. No, God's will is that we show the world the Son. You and I, we show him. We show him to people. And then when they see him, oh, man, they're going to get it. But if we're not showing people, God, if, we, if we're not showing them Jesus, how are they going to know? So God's will for me is that I show Jesus to everybody I come into contact with. Everywhere I go, I live my life in such a way that they go, oh, that, that guy's a Christian. He, know, he must have something that I want. Our, our will for our life expressed. And listen, this is not me, you. This is not just for people who stand before you and preach. This is for you guys, right? We're all ministers. We're all people who are called to carry something out. We're all called to go into the world and make disciples, the Bible says. There's all kinds of stuff that we are called to do. And we can know without a shadow of a doubt that there's some things we should do. God's will is right here. Now, is it specific? Is it going to tell you in 2 Corinthians 2.19 that thou shalt marry somebody and give you a name? No. No, but you know what? You know who does that for you? The Holy Spirit. John 16, 13. Let's look at this. This is awesome. I love this. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. And here's my favorite part. He will tell you about the future. This version says he will tell you what is yet to come. How many of you guys would like to know what's coming later? How many of you guys would like to know if the choice you're about to make is right or wrong? How many of you guys would like to go, if I make this left turn in the middle of San Antonio, I'm going to end up in the ghetto, and I shouldn't be there, okay? The Holy Spirit is kind of like your GPS in a way, right? I'm not telling you that he's going to give you lottery numbers. I wish. <laughs> be cool. Hey, the next week's numbers will be, no, it's, it's not like that, but I'm telling you, you know, then how do these two things tie in then? How do I go from Holy Spirit to Word, Holy Spirit to Word? The Word then becomes the measuring stick by which I measure and evaluate what I think the holy spirit's telling me because sometimes how many of you guys know it's not always clear right when's the last time any of y'all saw a burning bush moses lord okay i don't i don't know about you i don't get that okay but i do get thoughts and inklings and intuitions and i, boy, I feel like I, I really feel like i should do this i was telling um john on this trip home last night we went to a conference in uh, 
near Houston. And on the way home, I was telling him I had this, this, this experience. I was driving my car, and I was late. It was like 4 o'clock in the morning. I had worked a mid-shift. I was still in the Air Force at the time. And I was driving my car, and I saw a deer out of the corner of my eye. And I'm doing about 80. I want to go home. All right? I'm not supposed to admit that I speed, but I, I was doing like 80, uh, heading out towards the lake, okay, heading out towards old military housing out there. And I see this deer out of the corner of my eye, and something said, he's going to run out in front of you. It wasn't even an audible, it wasn't even my voice, but I just knew for a moment in, my, in the very deepest part of me that this deer is going to run out in front of me. I think I even said it out loud. That thing's going to run out in front of me. And I slowed way down. I hit my brakes, and I slowed down to about 40 before he did run out in front of me, and boom, I clobbered him. All right? If I'd hit that thing going 80, I don't know what. I mean, it may not have killed me. It surely would have wrecked my car. As it was, it kind of crinkled my hood and broke a light, I think, and just sort of rolled off. Into, I won't tell you the rest of the story because... Uh, never mind, it's embarrassing. But there, <laughs> I'm just telling you that there was this moment where I was like, oh, I knew, I knew. The Holy Spirit talks to us like this, okay? I'm telling you right now, um, the, the Bible is not going to specifically tell you that this is the person you should marry, and it's on this page and this verse. And this, but you know what the Bible does tell us in Second Corinthians? That we should not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. I know, I know that much at least. It's not God's will for my life that I marry somebody who does not share my passion for Christ. Now, if, if, that, if that's your situation, if you mar- I know my mother married my father before he was a Christian. You know, did she wreck her life? No. You know, God comes along and things happen. My dad saved, got saved pretty quick. He's like, you better get saved or you're not saved. But, but I'm saying that we could know, man, that was not God's necessarily intention, right? He knows that we ought to be yoked with people who have similar passions with us, that they have a belief system, that we can raise kids together, that we can have a family and do life together, and we should be yoked with people who are similar and then we take that, th- that thought of, man, I think I should marry that girl. And then we measure it against what the word says and go, well, at least I know, well, I got that part right. And I can start to hear and listen to the Holy Spirit tell me specifically the things that I should do. Does that make sense, everybody? Good. I love it. All right. Um, when I was about to leave the military, um, I'd been in the, in the Air Force for about 11 years when I, when I started thinking. and started really, f- I couldn't shake it. I just couldn't shake the idea that I wasn't supposed to re-enlist. I'm at the, I'm up, I would have been at the 12-year point when I was going to get out. And I'm telling you, who, who are my military people in here? Does it make any sense to get out after 12 years? <laughs> not, not in the earthly, not in the world. Really? 12 years? You've been more than halfway there. And uh, I just, man, I couldn't shake it. I just couldn't shake it. I couldn't get past it. God said, I think I need you to stay. I didn't go to the Word and look for the verse that said, Thou shalt not re-enlist. I wish it would have been there. It would have been great. I didn't shake my magic eight ball and say, should I go? <laughs> no. But I did start looking about, okay, why, why would I stay? What, what's, what's, what's my fear? What am I worried about? A job, money, provision. I didn't have a job when I got out. Um, but I was worried about, you know, how am I going to, I got four kids. I've got a, I got a mortgage now. I've got things I have to do. There's th- and I kept coming back to these verses that talked about, don't worry, that God's my provision, that God's going to take care of stuff, but that if I step in faith, that he would meet me there. And so I just looked at my wife. We held hands and we fell and Louise it off the cliff. Woo! I hope this is right. I'm pretty sure it's right. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you that the second we did that, that it was a bed of roses and life went perfectly according to plan after that. But I'll tell you what did happen. Even in the middle of all of that, and there was some difficulties. Uh, there was a peace about all of it. Every single time it was like, oh, I don't know. that We're making half the money we were making in the military. How are we making all our bills? I don't know. It's just happening. And I don't have a story like checks just randomly showed up. I don't have any of those stories. I have the story that says no matter what, things got taken care of. And I still to this day don't exactly know how. 
But God moved me and positioned me and put me in a place to say, okay, I'm going to do this. And, and I'm going to trust him. The word says I can trust him, doesn't it? It says that he's trustworthy. I can put my trust in him and I can do those things that seem scary. I heard a guy say at this conference last week, listen, to you kids in this room right now, if your dreams don't scare you, you're not dreaming big enough. They should scare you a little bit. Yeah, I know God didn't tell us. He didn't, we should have a spirit of fear. You, you get what I'm saying, right? They should be things you cannot accomplish on your own. You should look at that and go, man, if God doesn't show up and make this happen, it's not going to happen. Otherwise, your dreams aren't big enough. And God's will for your life will require him to step in and help you, or it's just not really big enough for you. You should be looking for big stuff. Kids, teenagers, you should be looking for scary stuff, man. You should be thinking about world-changing stuff. So good. Next thing, when it comes to considering then our specific goals, right? What are, I, I know the Bible talks about very sort of generic things, right? But when it comes to specific things, a really good place to start is we should consider our gifts. We should consider our gifts. That's our first clue about how God maybe wired us, designed us, moved us. Maybe if I really, really like X, Y, or Z, okay? For me, fairly simple. I grew up playing music. I love music. Music's my passion. Uh, it was a fairly simple jump for me to say, I can use that in the church. That's easy. There are gifts and talents that we have, though, that sometimes aren't that simple. There's some gifts that we kind of have to dig and go, well, how would that work in the kingdom? How would that work? But let's look at something here. Uh, Romans 12, 6 through 8 says this. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage, encourage others or be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. How you guys know people who have the gift of giving? That's a gift. As a guy who's not that way, trust me, it's a gift. Right? I'm jealous of people who just, woo, give freely and yeah, whatever. Because you know what always happens with those guys? It always comes back. It always does. It always, I'll tell you, my brother-in-law is the most generous guy I know. Uh, he gives away cars. In fact, he gave me a car two weeks ago when ours died. Just said, ah, oh, you can have it. Really? He's going to be driving a better car next week, I promise you. He's going to roll up in a Maserati or something. Be like, you can I have that? Well, no. We can't. Um, <laughs> giving is awesome. Um, if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. There are things that God put in you. Things that, that you ever notice somebody, you, you know somebody who's just, man, they're just hospitable. Boy, you come to their house anytime and they just, man, they just, you just feel like you belong there. That's a gift. You know, if they're just compassionate and kind, they can empathize, all these things. If they're really good at organizing things and structuring things. I tell you what, in the church, we need that. I promise you, because preachers and stuff, we're not that way. Big picture, guys, I need detail people to make things happen. All right? Most of the, most of the big pic, like the more visionary a guy is, sometimes on some level, the more flaky he is. It's like, yeah, I got this big idea. Y'all make it happen. I need those guys to make it happen or it's not going to work. First uh, Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. So our gifts are not even really intended for us. Our gifts are meant to serve others. It's meant to serve the body. We're meant, we're meant to edify the church and build it up. Uh, last one, 1 Corinthians 7, 7. He says, uh, this, is, this is on the heels of Paul saying stuff like, y'all shouldn't get married. You know, you should just, because seriously, he's saying, in, in Paul's mind, you've got to understand the, the rapture was coming soon. I mean, he was thinking, it could be any day, all right? And we're sitting here right now going, it could be any day, 2,000 years later, it could be any day. But Paul was serious. Like, he was, he was instructing people as though Jesus could come back any time, and really you shouldn't get married because there's a lot of work to do. And if you're not married, you probably should stay single because you've got a lot of things to do. But he says in 7-7, seven, seven, 
um, I wish that you were all like I was. And he has, the, uh, you might even call it like the gift of singleness, right? Which, by the way, is a gift. It is. If you're called to it, do it. If you're not, don't try. That's why I, it's scary, okay? But he says, I wish you were all what I am. But each of you has your own gift from God. And you, so he says, one has this gift and another has that. And it goes on to say, you should just use those gifts. Don't despise your gift, whatever it is. Don't look down your nose at it. Don't compare yourself to that guy and say, boy, if I only had his gift, boy, I'd be doing some cool stuff. That's not, that's not what God made you for. God gave you your gift for a specific purpose, for a specific place, for a specific time. There's a really cool story about um, uh, an evangelist who said he spent years toiling in the ministry. Years, years, decades. He never saw one salvation. He would go and he'd have these crusades and nobody got saved. Nobody got He's starting to get really down and despondent and he's just like, what am I doing? And he finally, he finally has a rally and a, and a, and a you know, a, a gathering. And he has one convert. And he's just, he's ecstatic over the moon. You know who that one convert was? Billy Graham. Seriously? Billy Graham got saved at this guy's holy roller thing. The only guy, this guy maybe ever saved, right? The only guy he ever, ever led to Christ. He probably led more. He just didn't know about it. But the only guy he ever saw come to the altar and say, yes, me, Lord, was Billy Graham. And that guy has affected the, the kingdom. Millions of people have come to the kingdom because of Billy Graham. And this guy has a part in that. Don't despise your gift. You may never see the fruit of it. You may never see what happens. You know, my, my, I'll tell you a really quick story. Um, really quick. <laughs> my, uh, my youth pastor in junior high prophesied over me. And she said, someday, young man. And by the way, you got to understand, I was not a good kid. All right? I was not. So I was in her youth group. I was always causing problems. I, this is a woman, I, I, I stole her husband's wallet. All right? I, I was that kid. I'm in her home. and I'm, Anyway, I'm not, I'm not proud of this, okay? But she prophesied over me one day, and she knew I liked music. She said, you know what? Someday, you will play your guitar for Jesus. And I laughed. <laughs> crazy. I probably cussed her out, too. You're crazy. And I left. And she left, and she moved on. And uh, I'll tell you right now, about a month ago, I found her. It, we're talking 25 years later plus. I don't even know exactly when. A long time later, I finally connected with her, not through Facebook, because for some reason, Facebook, she just wouldn't do that. But LinkedIn, you ever heard of LinkedIn? It's like a business social. So she's, she's now like a master's degree um, teacher in some technical school, whatever. I, I just fired her off a little email. I said, you know, you probably don't remember me, but I was in your youth group and I was kind of a punk. And uh, guess what I'm doing now? And she was just over the moon. <gasps> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> well, thank you. You're so smart. Whatever. There's a church in Oklahoma City called Life Church, and Pastor Brandon and I were talking about this last week, and it's really cool. They have all these different campuses, and uh, everyone does church the same way. But everyone on the, every, every, every pastor on one of the campuses is not really a pastor in the truest sense of the word. It's not, they're really not people, people. He hired people who were good at organizing, who were good at building structures. He was the guy who was going to pastor all these people, you know, live via satellite, whatever. He was going to be the one bringing the word. He was going to be the one, you know, pouring into these people from that perspective. But he needed people on campus with business sense. He needed somebody who could organize volunteers. He needed somebody who could bring some things together and, and bring some structure to a thing that in church sometimes we don't do really well. They're flourishing. They're thriving. Can you imagine being a guy that came out of, it was, we had a guy who was a CEO at, at, uh, at Target. How am I going to use that gift for the kingdom? They found a place for him. I mean, he's thriving in what God designed him to do. He's not doing it for business anymore. He's doing it for Jesus. Had a guy that came out. He was a, a marketing guy. Brilliant. 
marketing in the kingdom? Yeah, why wouldn't we market? We've got the best product on the planet. Why would we not advertise it like it's the best product on the planet? New and improved. Jesus! It's awesome. It's all about finding that niche. Whatever it is that God's put on the inside of you. And what I want you guys to understand is that Paul didn't say, if you get a gift, use it. He didn't say, well, if you got one, use it for the right. No, he said, use your gifts. He impl- your, you have one. You have one. You may not have unearthed it. You may not have found it yet. But you've got to think about those things that are, that are passionate in you. What are those things that stir you up, that bring you into life? What are those things that get you excited and fired up? God wants to use that in the kingdom because he wants you in a place. But I want you also to understand that you should be open to God changing those things. You should be open, into, open to God expanding your vision. About a year ago, not even a year ago, um, Pastor Brandon approached me and uh, asked me if I would, for a little while, would you just for a little while, uh, for six weeks, I have a new members class, would you just come and help me with youth for six weeks? Youth? I'm a high school teacher by trade, guys, so I spend all day with teenagers every day. I'm not saying that I don't, I'm just, I'm just saying, all right? You know, you, if, if you're a barista at Starbucks, do you want to come home and make coffee? I don't know, man. So I, I did it because he's my pastor, and there's very little I won't do for that guy. There's a couple things. We'll talk about those. But um, Okay, all right, fine, I did it. And I, you know, I went the first night, and all right. And there was this weird Holy Spirit moment where I really felt like God saying, you should be doing this. Really? Seriously, God? No. And what I said, here's, and I'll tell you, in all honesty, here's what I told the Holy Spirit. Here's what I told God out loud. I said, fine, you better change my heart. If you want me to do this, you better change my heart. It's not that I didn't like the kids. Please, you kids don't, understand, don't, don't hear that. It's not. But I wasn't going to serve you if my whole heart wasn't in it. I wasn't going to just say, well, yeah, fine, I'll fill that spot. No, God better birth a passion inside of me that says, I love these kids like they're my own kids, and I would live and die and kill for each one of them. It better be a God thing, because then my emotions will come and go, and they'll yeah, roller coaster here and there, and sometimes I'll feel like going, sometimes I won't feel like going. I'll tell you what happened. God birthed a passion inside of me and said, I love these kids. I look at every single one of them. Even the ones that don't come to youth, and you know who you are. If you don't come to youth, I am your youth pastor. Come to youth! Even the ones that don't come, God switched something in my head and in my heart, and I see them, and I go, ooh, God loves that one. Ooh, there's something on the inside of that one. Oh, there's something really cool on the inside of that one. Well, I can't wait to see what she's going to do, because I tell you what, she's going to wreck some stuff in a very good way. You understand what I'm saying? God can birth a new passion inside of you, but you've got to be open to it. You can't sit there and go, eh, eh that's not my thing, God. I'll do something else. Or you, you're going to miss out on something that's amazing. All right, I've got to hurry. Last one. But I want you guys to be open to God expanding your vision. All right, think about the church and think about the things that, that have to get done. There's just there's work to do, guys. The, the Bible says that the harvest is great and the, the laborers are few. We've got to get serious about the things of God. Last thing is this. In order to be willful, as in full of the will of God, we can't be willful. It's my little clever play on words. I stole that from Pastor Brandon, so don't think I made it, but I stole that one. I'm like, ooh, that's good. You can't be willful. You have to say, Lord, not, your, not my will, but your be done. You have to say, you know, I know I, know, I, know, uh, I really don't want to do this, but, okay, God, whatever. If God's way is a pattern and a way of doing life, then we have to submit to that pattern. And we have to say, fine, I don't understand it necessarily, Lord. I don't really get it, but I understand that that's your will. I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to wait and expect and trust that whatever comes after that is, is what you had intended. Look at Romans 12 too. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How do we learn God's will? We start by, we don't conform to this world. We don't do the things the way this world says to do it. A, 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 a phrase we repeat at youth all the time, ever since we, our first trip to acquire the fire last year is what? Normal is not good enough. Actually, we, 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 we moved it and shortened it to normal sucks. It, it, it's, it's normal. What the world calls normal is terrible. Really? Divorce is normal in the world. Really? Drug addiction is pretty normal. Crime is pretty normal. It's just how things go. Teenagers, by the way, are rotten. That's normal. We want rotten teenagers? Your teenagers, by the way, are not. You know why? Because they're not normal. Because they love God. Because God is teaching them a new way to do life. Teaching them a new way to take care of each other and look out for one another. It's normal to get into little cliques and take care of yourself and not worry about everybody else. Nah, normal stinks. We don't like it. We're trying to break these kids out of a mold and say, let's do life a different way. If we start to do that, we start to see God's will. It says when we do this, we learn what God's perfect will is for our lives. We learn it. But we have to strip away that stuff. You know, if you're still doing things the way the world does, don't be surprised when you don't hear from God. I'm sorry, the clutter and the noise and the junk of this world, God's still talking. But you know what? You got the TV up way too loud. And he's not going to shout. He's going to wait until you listen. I stand sometimes in my classroom when I'm high school. And what's the thing? Russ is a high school teacher too. What do we do sometimes? Do, I, do you yell? Do you shout? Does that really get their attention? Not really. But you know what scares them? If I just stand in front of the class and do this. Sometimes I'll do this. And eventually I'll go, what's he looking at? Is he looking at me? Oh, my gosh. And sometimes it takes like two minutes. And all of a sudden, they're quiet. I'm like, okay, now, now can we go? We got stuff to do. Let's get busy, all right? God, sometimes I feel like he's waiting there. And he's going to talk, and then sometimes he's just going to stop and go, all right, whenever you're ready. If you will strip away the clutter, if you will strip away the noise, we are a noisy society. We are a noisy culture. We fill our lives up with noise because sometimes the, the, the quiet makes us uncomfortable. But I'm telling you right now, God wants to talk to you, and he's only going to talk to you if you'll shut the world out. When we submit to his ways and we stop looking at the world system for answers, we'll know his will for our lives. We've got to strip away all that stuff. If we're still engaged in doing life that way. Uh, I'm messed up. Luke twenty two forty two, Jesus talking. All right? He says, Lord, if you're willing, he's about to go to the cross. Let me, can I tell you that Jesus probably did not want to go to the cross? You know, I don't think I'm, I don't, he said it right here. Hey, if you're willing, if there's any other way, God, can we do it that way? But if not, listen, uh, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, about to do something he did not want to do. He submitted his will to the, to the will of the Father. Look at this in Matthew 6, 9 through 10. When Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, he says to pray like this. And I have to do this in King James because, I'm sorry, this doesn't sound right to me <laughs> unless I'm saying, thy will be done. So we have to even do it like this. Thy will be done. But after this manner, he says, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The things that happen in heaven, God wants us to have happening on earth. The way that God's will happens in heaven, we should be bringing that to earth. You know what? God's on his throne in heaven. He should be on his throne in the earth, right? He, he, he loves us unconditionally. We should love unconditionally. He gives. We should give. He does everything the Father does, we should be doing. We should be engaged in that here on planet earth. Now, the Bible calls us peculiar people, right? But our peculiarity, I think... Shouldn't be so much that we dress differently or we don't cut our hair or we, you know, we don't dance or we handle snakes. All that kind of weird stuff, right? I'm not saying that we should be weird, but peculiar means 
We don't do things that the way that the world does it. This is our peculiarity. The world says we should take revenge on somebody when they wrong us. You know, and here's, here's I'm going to end with this. I'm going to close with this, okay? We are a people. We are Americans. We are Texans. We are West Texans. All right? So we are maybe worse than some. <laughs> we have our rights, don't we? And I, I'm entitled to my rights. You try and take away my gun, and you're going to meet the business end of it real quick. I have my rights, don't I? Here's what the Lord spoke to me this morning. And I, lo- I don't say this very often because I, I, he just doesn't speak this audibly to me this morning. But I, I added this at the last minute. Here's what it said. Here's what I felt like God was saying. You can have the kingdom, or you can have your rights, but you can't have both. We'll say it again. You can have the kingdom, which is everything that God has for you. And you can have your rights if you want them. But you can't have both. You can't have both. You've got to give one up. You've got to lay down your rights. I'm telling you right now, if you will say, it's like we sang in that song this morning, I'm giving up my rights. And I'm not saying your political rights, okay? I'm not saying that the government can come in. I'm, not, I'm talking on a spiritual level, okay? We say we have the right to take revenge on someone when they hurt us. No, you don't. You know why? Because Jesus said you don't. We're supposed to do life differently. We, we think we have the right to protect and preserve ourselves. We think we have uh, the right to take what's ours. You know, I have the right to, to do. No, you don't. You know why? Because Jesus said that's not how we do life anymore. You know, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth passed away. I still hear Christians using that as a justification for getting what they want. Man, the Bible says eye for eye. Yeah, you missed it where God said, uh-uh, no more eye for an eye. Did you miss that a little bit before that? No more is it an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now it's this. When somebody takes something from you, give them the rest of it too. We're supposed to operate in a way that the world says is nuts. And the world will look at you and tell you that you're crazy. But I'm telling you, you want the kingdom or you want your rights? I, for one, I want the kingdom. And I want to see the kingdom birthed in our families. I want to see the kingdom birthed in our youth groups. I want to see the kingdom birthed in this church. I want to see this kingdom birthed in our city. I want to see us take this world by storm. And we can't do it while we're clinging to an old way. We're sitting there going, well... You know, at least I got my rights. I got my rights. Really? I want Jesus. He can have my rights. You know what? It wasn't right that Jesus had to lay his life down for me. He didn't have to. It wasn't, it wasn't right. It wasn't right that he did that. I didn't have any right to take his life from him. I certainly didn't deserve the sacrifice he made for me. But guess what? Jesus laid his rights down. He could have easily walked away. The Bible says he could have just said no. Nah. And he didn't. He didn't. Why? Because for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And the joy that was set before him was you and me. That is awesome. Adam blew it in the garden when he basically said to God, not your will but mine be done. I'm going to eat this apple anyway. He blew it. Jesus came, the second Adam, and took it back and said, no, Father, not my will but yours be done. And because he did that, you and I can walk in liberty. You and I can walk in a different way. You and I can, can lay those things we call our rights down And we can pick up this thing called the kingdom of God. And we can do things differently. Amen? I believe that 2013 is going to be an awesome year. I believe for all kinds of blessings to come. I'm believing for breakthroughs and strongholds to get tore down. I'm believing for all kinds of crazy stuff. I can't wait to hear the praise reports as we fire up these kids. And we get them ready to go, you know, to acquire the fire in the spring. And we're going to go back to camp in the fall. We're going to take them on mission trips. We're going to do all this stuff. We're going to get them fired up. Y'all better be ready. You parents better be ready to see some kids come home ready to smack the devil in the teeth because uh, that's what we're doing. That's what we're about. And that's what this church is about. That's what Celebration Church is all about. We are about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Not to sit there and come and just, oh, okay. No, we put these kids to work. Y'all should understand, there should be more kids in here, right? They're working. 
<laughs> if they don't show up in children's church, there's no children's church. Why? Because they got teenagers showing up and doing it. That's not normal. Most, no, most days you can't get kids out of bed. And I got them working. I got my 14-year-old out of bed at 6 o'clock this morning to come set up stuff, and he was happy to do it. Really? That's not normal. Uh-huh. Because normal's lame. We're done with normal, right? Everyone say we're done, done. with normal. normal. We're done, done with normal. Amen. Listen, I'm going to ask you guys a question. Is there something? Is there something that you're holding back? Is there something? I want to, if, if, if you would, just close your eyes with me this morning. Every hour I close, and, and Keenan's going to come and, and play a little bit. But here's what I want. I, I don't want to leave here without giving you an opportunity. Number one, to make that first step. If you need to take that, I'm t- God's will is that we would enter in the kingdom of heaven. If you're not there this morning, this is the time, this is the place, this is the hour. So if you, if you need to make that declaration this morning, would you please just raise your hand? Look up at me, make, make eye contact, something, do something so I know that, that I'm talking to you. Amen. Amen. Here's the second question, though. If there's something in you, now here's what I, here's, I feel like there are people in this room who God gave a dream to, and God gave a vision to, and you feel like that thing died. If you're here this morning and you feel like Oh, it should have happened this way and it didn't happen this way. My marriage was supposed to be different. My job was supposed to be different. This was supposed to be different. I'm here to tell you right now that my God is a God who restores. My God is a God who brings things back and gives things back that the devil would steal from you. The Bible says he's here to give those things back to us. But we have to stand on faith. We've got to step out in faith and believe not only that he can but that he wants to. That he will and that he wants to. So this morning, let's just pray together as we get ready to dismiss. Father God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we release supernatural blessings on these people, God. As they step out in faith, as they dream big, as they think about the things that you would have for them to do, Father, I pray right now that you would birth on the inside of them a brand new vision, a brand new will, a brand new chance at life. God, if things didn't work out, it's okay because you've got new things coming. So, Father, this 2013, we declare to be a year of new things. God birthed a new passion, new vision. God, all kinds of things that would come to our minds. God, ideas would come. And, Lord Jesus, that you would see people come into your kingdom because of it. I thank you for it. I praise you for it. I give you all the glory, God, in advance for everything that you're about to do. And the people of God all stand together. Amen. Would you guys do me a favor? Would you stand up on your feet? dismiss you real quick god i thank you for all these people pray that you take care of them the rest of the day lord god just bring them back to us father i thank you for everyone who's sitting here today god and those who are watching at home god i pray that you would just continue to talk to them in jesus mighty name amen y'all have a great day we love you come back soon oh yeah i'm sorry uh there are people on either side uh, you got the lahones over here and i believe the atkins i don't know y'all pray to If you need prayer, if you need something, don't leave here without talking to somebody, okay? We'd love to pray with you. We want to talk to you. We'd love to just believe with you for whatever it is, okay? Amen. Love you guys. Sorry, I thought you were going to play that song wrong. God is mighty to save. He is mighty. Author of salvation, he 
rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave.